welcome to Cornerstone once again. Uh, as Caleb said, if you guys don't know me, I'm Lucas Austin. I am an elder here at Cornerstone too. And from time to time when Mike's out, uh, one of us has to fill in. Um, and my name got drawn out of the hat this time, so I'm here. Uh, if you are a visitor, uh, I encourage you to come back and listen to Mike uh, preach. He's outstanding. Uh, hopefully you don't base this off of what I have to say today, but... Uh, <laughs> Mike does a, a great job. I'm more of a teacher by trade than a preacher. Uh, but yeah, welcome. Uh, as Caleb mentioned, also it's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day once again. I know we have a lot of fathers here today, maybe some future fathers uh, as well. Uh, so I'm going to start out with a little bit of fatherly advice. Uh, I myself have a couple daughters. Uh, Abigail's 14. She's here with us today. And then Carly Ann was here first service. She's downstairs. She's nine. Uh, and needless to say, there's a lot of estrogen floating around the house. Uh, or as Carly used to say, uh, I'm girl trapped, whatever that means. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to give you a little advice today, maybe not necessarily biblical, but definitely useful. Uh, as a girl dad, uh, we got any girl dads here today? Uh, yeah, girls are a little different. Uh, this works, you know, for women in general too, I think. Uh, number one, show up. And what I mean by that is uh, I show up pretty regularly. I think if you ask my girls, am I there, am I present, they would tell you that I am. I'm sure if you're a girl dad, you've had your uh, nails painted, you've had your makeover. Uh, if you're like me, you know all the Disney princess movies, uh, and now we're getting into chick flicks a little bit. So, yeah, I show up, and the second one would be stay quiet, because they really don't want you to talk or insert your opinion in any shape, form, or fashion. You just need to be there. And except when they want your opinion and you have no idea when that is. So either way, just be quiet. That's the best, best advice I can give you. So I've had to learn number two the hard way. Uh, I got off to a rocky start when Carly Ann was, uh, or Ashley was in labor with Carly Ann. It was uh, quite the labor. Uh, we were on about uh, 23 hours uh, of 24-hour labor. And I decided for some reason, to this day, I don't know why I said it, but I had to let everybody know that I was getting a little tired. Because <laughs> I was there, and uh, I got the look, you know, of course, from Ashley. You guys know what the look is. Uh, and I got the look from the doctor who happened to be a female, and all the other females in the room were giving me the look. And the one other guy in the room was giving me the... Just shut it down. Be quiet. Uh, yeah, so I've, I've got number one down pretty good, but I, got, I still got some work to do on number two. Um, yeah, so it is Father's Day. As you can see from the graphic today, we're going to be talking lasting legacy, and that's certainly something we can apply to fatherhood. Uh, but also, you know, don't tune me out, mothers and teens and children, you know. Uh, I think legacy is a word for everybody, right? Uh, and and hopefully we'll get that across to you today. Um, I did want to just define the word here for us, and I think we got a graphic for this. Uh, came across a couple definitions. Uh, both kind of work, but the second one's better. Uh, the first one was an amount of money or property left to someone in a will, and the second was the long-lasting impact of particular events, actions that took place 
in the past or of a person's life. So I think it's kind of at our core as humans to want to be remembered for something or want to leave our legacy uh, behind. And oftentimes, uh, you know, those legacies aren't necessarily godly legacies, uh, which we're going to talk about today. But, you know, for those of you who don't know, I am a teacher. Uh, I teach over at Grayson County High School. Uh, well, I'm kind of a teacher. I'm a PE teacher uh, <laughs> and a coach over there. But... Um, you know, Abigail, she's a freshman in Ireland, one of her friends. She goes to Cornerstone here, too. Uh, I heard them talking, you know, just a few weeks ago about uh, we do something in our yearbook. Our yearbook staff does this little thing where they let the seniors leave a little paragraph, like a senior quote. And I heard them talking about it. It kind of caught my ear. And they were discussing, you know, what what are we going to leave? You know, one of them said, I was thinking about something funny. And the other one was like, well, no, we should leave something that leaves an impression for the next class. So already, you know, as freshmen in high school, they're looking at uh, you know, a way to be remembered. You know, you see it all over in athletics. Uh, each team wanting to be better than the last or win championships or achieve great feats. Um, in our jobs, uh, we try to, uh, you know, leave, leave a lasting impact. If you try to do a good job, you try to leave a lasting impact at what you're, whatever you're doing. Uh, and those are examples of kind of, not necessarily all the way, but kind of self-serving legacies. Uh, we're, we're trying to make ourselves look good in that situation, uh, which isn't all bad in itself, and it certainly will tie into your godly legacy a little bit about the way you go about your job and things like that. Uh, but those le types of legacies often fade away a whole lot quicker than the kind of legacy we're going to talk about today. Uh, <clears throat> I watched a, a documentary some of you may have seen. It's called Free Solo, and it's about a rock climber. Uh, Alex uh, Holland or Holland, I can't remember his last name, uh, but anyway, he, he's spectacular. Uh, he's scaling these rocks uh, with no ropes. Uh, he's he's climbed some crazy high mountains, including El Cap, and uh, you know he done this. You know all you know, just something that we thought wasn't possible that he achieved. And uh, the thing that it caught my eye though at the at the end of the film, they had they showed the next kid the 16 or 17 year old or whatever it was he might have been older but you know he already had his eyes on Alex you know he already he already knew all his feats and he wanted to he's already looking to try to beat and do bigger and better than than the guy before him you know so those those type of legacies sometimes fade away quickly so some of us are pretty fortunate to have pictures photographs of our uh you know, great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents. And a matter of fact, I was showing Carly, my youngest, a picture of her, of her uh, great-great-grandparents. It was on Facebook, actually. So, you know, with, with technology and, you know, uh, you know, we got books and books of photo albums in our house. Uh, whether, you know, generations ago they would have had to been passed down and sometimes they're lost. You know, now with the new technology with all the databases like Ancestry and things like that, uh, you gotta, you got to wonder if, if our legacy will be a whole lot more visible to everyone. You know, will your children's children and their children, they'll probably be able to look back and they'll be able to, you know, I have, I think, something like 25,000 videos and pictures on my phone from the last 10 years and you could probably paint a pretty good picture of who I am and you know at least what I look like 
just just by that, and I'm assuming that they'll have access to that. You know, uh, you got to think, what will they find uh, when they when they start digging around? You know, three or four generations from now, the truth is, we all live and we all die. Uh, how will we be remembered? Uh, the type of legacy we're going to talk about today is uh, we're going to be over in Joshua uh, 4 and 1 through 8 if you want to turn there, if you've got your Bible app, or we'll also put it on the screen. But uh, this legacy points towards God, okay? Uh, and I'll read it here. It's kind of lengthy. <clears throat> I've got a lot of scripture today, which is kind of a rookie move, but stay with me. Uh, I've got plenty of other stuff in there that's good as well. Uh, so in Joshua 4, 1 through 8, when all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose twelve men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take twelve stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, Go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord of of the Lord our God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder. Twelve stones in all, one for each of the twelve tribes of Israel. We will use them, we will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the uh, Lord, Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. So the men did as Joshua had commanded them. Uh, so we can see here that God thought it was important here to build a memorial to remind future generations. Uh, uh, you know, and this would remind, you know, the children of Israel that they were led out of bondage. And just a little side note there too, Jesus would later begin his ministry uh, in and around the same region, you know, when John the Baptist baptized uh, Jesus in the Jordan. And if you back up a little bit, we can see that when Moses first led the children of Israel out of Egypt, uh, <clears throat> you know, since they were disobedient during that time, Jesus or God let them wander around the desert for 40 years. So that generation never got to see the promised land uh, and so we can see how one generation can affect the next. Which kind of brings me to my first point, which is God is a generational God. God is a generational God. And I think, it, or I know that it was God's intention from the beginning to live in his likeness and pass him, when I say him, I mean capital him, on to the future generations. And we can read in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Rain over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. And we kind of all know where that ended up. So, you know, God had to later make a, um, another deal with Abram. And I'm just going to read this real quick. Again, I probably got too much text. That's okay. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. 
Serve me faithfully and live a, bl a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abram fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, This is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abr Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations, and the kings will be among you. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. So we can see throughout Scripture there that uh, <clears throat> how one generation can affect the next. So we can also so we can start to build the idea that our legacy is important to future generations. You know what we do in our short time here uh, really could affect our children's children and their children. Mike shared this with me while I was planning this week. Uh, he, he found this post, uh, and it's from uh, an evangelist named Shane Pruitt, and he posted what he calls the four-generation fade. Uh, generation one, parents don't make church a high priority for their kids. Generation two, those kids grow up and make church less of a priority for their kids. Generation three, those kids grow up and make church no priority for their kids in generation four those kids grow up without a biblical knowledge of God and uh, we can see that uh, you know prevalent today as well and I would say even I'd take a step further sometimes it doesn't take four generations you know sometimes you know the absence uh, can happen in one generation so it is Father's Day, and I did want to try to tie us into fathers a little bit more, too. Found some data uh, on the Internet uh, from the Promise Keepers, the Baptist Press. Uh, it, it reads this, If a father does not go to church, even if his wife does, only one child in 50 will become a regular worshiper. If a father does go regularly, regardless of what the mother does, between two-thirds and three-quarters will be a regular attendee. <coughs> And, you know, as I was going around looking at stats, you know, I, I thought I'd throw these in there, too. Focus on the family on their website. They had these stats. 71% of all high school dropouts come from homes with absent fathers. 85% of all youth in prison come from fatherless homes. 90% of homeless and runaway children come from fatherless environments. 70% of teen suicides occur in homes where there isn't a dad. So those, those uh, are quite staggering. You know, we can see the importance of us, uh, you know, our role as a father. You know, and the mother and the father work together the best when they're together. But, you know, we really don't need to see those stats. We kind of see it all around us. And as an educator, I can almost always point out a kid who's in a troubled home or a fatherless home or a home that, uh, where there might be addiction or problems going on. Can I say this today? Men producing a child doesn't make you a father. You know, it goes way deeper than that. You know, we have a role when we become a father. We have a duty uh, to, to hang in there. And, you know, and it is a broken world, and sometimes uh, that results in a broken home. But that isn't an excuse to give up. You know, in those situations, we should try to seek God first along with our children. Um, you know, in single parents, you may be in a situation where the other is not in the picture, and you read those stats up there, single mothers, and you're like, 
uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Uh, and it's not easy. Uh, well, I commend you first uh, because you're wearing both hats, and I would encourage you to pray and seek out godly influence to fill the gap. You know, for everyone else, you know, we should be aware of the opportunities to connect, you know, do our part to serve the youth that may need us, you know, somewhere where we can fill the role. And I truly feel God strategically places us in these opportunities to serve. And, you know, we see it here at Cornerstone. We have a lot of people uh, that dive into that kind of ministry. And, uh, you know, sometimes it can get messy and, and put us out of our comfort zone. Uh, so it's a very important ministry. So we can see from uh, Scripture the importance of our godly legacy. You know, where do we begin, though? And it brings me to my second point. Make Christ first in your life. And I got in parentheses, do the big things. You know, it's not rocket science. We probably already know this. Uh, but how can we have a godly legacy without God? Okay, lots of people approach me. Uh, I do some coaching, um, do some running myself. You know, some people come up to me and say, you know, look, I'm trying, I think I'm going to become a runner. You know, what, do you, what kind of advice do you have for me? And I usually give them the same advice. I say, well, you got to start with running. And they usually look at me like, really, dude, what kind of coach are you? You know, they're looking for the details. But I always follow with something like this. The big thing has to come before the details have an impact. Okay, we got to do the big things. We often knows what, we, we, we know what the big thing is, uh, but we often lack the self-discipline and the motivation and desire to stick with it. You know, I think the Jewish people understood this uh, type of devotion, and every day they prayed a, a, a prayer that we can read about in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Uh, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as a reminder. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So <clears throat> this is free Jesus here, but I think we can apply it here. I mean, I think this verse, I think we can take it and take what's in it and put it right here in 2023. You know, my wife does an outstanding job of this. She always has with our kids. Uh, when I read that verse, you know, it's pretty convicting to me. You know, I got to wonder. Uh, she's kind of putting me to shame, but I'm glad I have her. Uh, she's always done a great job, you know, from a very young age with both of our children of, you know, teaching them about the things of God, laying down with them at night and praying, showing them, speaking the gospel to them, uh, letting them know to put Jesus first in everything they do. You know, constantly divide, buying devotional books and coloring books and, uh, you know, doing daily devotions with them. You know, uh, I'm not going to completely throw myself under the bus. Uh, I do have an opportunity as a, a you know, since we, all are going to the same place in the morning to be able to drive both my kids to school. And it's about a 20-minute drive from here to there. Uh, and every morning, uh, Abigail, and sometimes Carly, she pulls up the daily verse off the Bible app, and we read it, and usually it's got a small devotional and a prayer with it. So, you know, in some days, um, you know, that spurs some conversation on. But most days, the AirPod goes back in. 
and it's crickets the rest of the drive. <laughs> but that drive, that 20-minute drive there, you know, sometimes brings up some good conversations, an opportunity for me to share. Um, and I'm not telling you that to brag, like we got it together or anything like that. Uh, you know, because when I read that, like I said, I was pretty convicted by the verse. Uh, I got to wonder that, you know, if if Ashley and I left today, have we done enough to point our kids? Have we left enough of a godly legacy to point them towards Jesus? Uh, and I think that's something we all got to ponder. <clears throat> uh, Jesus, you know, back to the verse that we were up there a while ago, Jesus would later echo the words from Deuteronomy in Matthew 22, 36 and 40. Uh, when a Pharisee was trying to trap uh, Jesus in his own words, the Pharisee said, Teacher, which is, a, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself, as the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. And I know most of us have heard those, that verse there. And if you step back and look at it, you're like, man, that's pretty simple. All I got to do is love God and love others. And there's, there's a lot of truth in that. Uh, but as we grow in our faith and we dig and we study God's word, we realize that that verse is simple and profound. You know, the, de- the deeper we dig, the more it, the more it says. Um, and, you know, uh, as let's see, I lost my place here. So how do we love God with all our heart, soul, and mind? You know, that's the real question here. And I think if we think of it in terms of relationship, our personal relationship, it becomes easier to understand. And, uh, you know, it's really not rocket science, but First John 5, 1 through 3 says this, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So after we accept the free gift of uh, salvation and we read and study and develop relationship with Christ, we got to uh, make sure we put God first in everything we do. And just like in our own personal relationships, uh, we have to spend time together and not just superficial time. We need to go to church, pray, surround yourself with other believers, Uh, We know all this stuff, right? The big stuff. But we often lack the discipline to follow through uh, with it. You've got to ask yourself this, and it's something I ask myself. Do your kids see you seeking God? Do they see you spending time with Him? Do they see you doing the big things? We often get caught up in our jobs and other distractions that pull us away. Uh, After we make sure that we're doing the big things, then we can start focusing on the details. And that brings me to my next point. Again, pretty simple. Do the small things. Um, When we peel back the layers, so to speak, of our lives, we can begin to see our true life in Christ, our DNA, so to speak. I would say that after we find our true purpose in Christ, we can accomplish the second part of the verse. uh, Love your neighbor as yourself. This is an outward expression of the love that Christ gave you. Uh, in 1 John 4:19, he said, We love each other because he first loved us. You know, Mike done a whole sermon series on uh, how to bless your neighbor, how to love your neighbor a year, year and a half ago. And he used the acronym BLESS 
to to explain it here and I just wanted to touch base on these I thought it was so good the first one was begin with prayer <clears throat> so uh, I watch a lot of documentaries by the way they made a documentary on Mr. Rogers everybody knows Mr. Rogers beautiful day in the neighborhood they also made a movie so I can't remember which one I seen it in uh, but one thing stuck out to me uh, is that when someone asked him to pray for him he he did it and he even took it a step further he made he had prayer journals he wrote he wrote their name down he wrote what he was praying about and then when he got up in the morning he, the first thing he done when he was praying he prayed very intentional uh, for the people that had he had told he would pray for because oftentimes we say yeah well, I'll, I'll pray for you but we never do you know so begin in prayer uh, listen was the fir- the next one uh, that means we have to engage something that I'm not great at uh, definitely not my forte, but we get, we do got to do it. And the next one he had was eat, uh, which kind of caught me off guard when he was first doing it. But after he got to explain it, it made a lot of sense. You know, anytime we share a meal together, it's pretty intimate setting. And uh, Jesus used this time to, if you look in Scripture, he used the time to teach his disciples. Uh, so eating, sharing a meal with people, serving as you... Here at Cornerstone, we got all kinds of opportunities to serve. You know, we have everything from the worship team. Uh, these guys back here, they've been here since 7, 7.30 this morning getting things set up. Uh, the uh, children's ministry downstairs. Uh, we got the free community meal. If you come here any day of the week, you can drive here in the parking lot, and the parking lot will be full any day of the week because something's going on here, some, some type of ministry. So all kinds of opportunities to serve. And share your story. I think often we use social media instead of actually engaging with people. And we look on social media and we think, man, they got it together. They, they go on to these trips. They're always having fun. Their family's so awesome. You know, I'm usually not posting me and Ashley's fight on there, even though some people do. Uh, so most of the time it's positive. Uh, so, you know... Uh, Sharing your story is important. That way others see the real you. They get to know that, you know, he's actually got struggles. The family actually struggles. You know, we all struggle. So, you know, know, sharing your story is a a useful way to love your neighbor. And let's not forget that our neighbors are also the people we live with, okay? Uh, I think oftentimes everybody else gets the best version of us. And then the family is left with the worst version of ourself, uh, and including me. Paul says this over in Philippians 2, 12 and 15. Paul says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the rookie to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in the world full of crooked and perverse people. So, uh, in college football, we probably got some college football fans in here, we hear the term a team's body of work. And when you hear that, really what they're talking about is, you know, trying to rank 
you know, usually the top four or five teams. Uh, and sometimes it gets pretty difficult. You know, there may be two undefeated teams and the other team might have gotten beat by somebody else. So it's really hard to decide who's the best team and who the best matchups will be in the playoffs. Uh, so they look at the big picture first, how many games the team won. Uh, if they did lose, how did they respond? Uh, they begin to look deeper by to see who they beat and who that team beat and who that team beat and who that team may have lost to. You know, so it gets pretty, uh, they get pretty critical and they peel back the layers here. This is how they ex separate the ordinary from the extraordinary. Now, I'm not saying that God does that. He's not, you know, judging us to see if the good outweighs the bad. Mike explained that last week. He got into it. But what I am saying is that small things matter in terms of legacy. How we live, what we watch consume, how we parent our boundaries, how we discipline at home, uh, our limits we set for ourselves and for our children, how we work at our jobs, how we balance our job and family. Uh, you know, my dad always says, measure twice, cut once, or anything worth doing is worth doing right. So as a coach, uh, I often preach the importance of details, and, you know, most coaches do. You know, from day one, you know, you start nailing them down that, you know, this is a game of inches, a game of milliseconds, uh, you know, and you cut one corner, that could be the difference in uh, success and failure, you know, between good and great. And uh, most of the time, you know, during practice, when I'm with them, they're doing all the correct things. But when they leave, you got to wonder uh, how, how, how well they're doing, you know, when you're not there. Most of us do the right things when everyone's watching. Um, we do the big things. But what about when no one is watching or we don't think anybody's watching? Do you ever make, tell a little uh, small white lie? Do you ever skim a little off the top? Do you ever borrow things from work that ends up staying around the house? Uh, what are you watching or consuming on your TV or phone? Men, how are we speaking to our spouse, and how does that affect our children's relationships? How do you act around a group of non-believers? Do you get angry while driving or watching your kids play ball? And believe me, all these stepped on my toes as I was writing them. You know, these are more for me than you. And, and yes, these are small things, and they might not make a big difference at the end of the day, uh, but, you know, our kids are watching us closer than we'd like to think, okay? And they're emulating our behavior. You know, so when Abigail, or I want to say this first, and, you know, if we look back at the four-generation fade, um, we can see how something small, one generation, can move to something larger and larger and larger, and it can snowball uh, into something, you know, way worse than what it was in the beginning. Yeah, so when Abigail was in pre-K, uh, they were trying to teach her how to read, and they teach you how to skim with your index finger, and, you know, when they're counting, they use their fingers and, you know, pointing or whatever. But, you know, the teacher stopped Ashley on the way out, um, and they were a little bit concerned, not concerned, but just interested in why Abigail was using her middle finger to skim the pages, and she would use her middle finger to point, and all this stuff. Uh, so, funny story is, she learned it from her daddy because her daddy is missing his index finger. <laughs> so, and I'm sure we all got um, 
an interesting story or two like that to tell. Uh, <laughs> and the bottom line is, guys, each day we make thousands of decisions, uh, and not all of these are going to be right. So when we mess up big or small, how do we respond? In Romans 3 and 23, it says we all fall short. How do our kids see us respond uh, when we mess up? How we live our day-to-day matters in terms of legacy. The thing about legacy is that it's ongoing. Okay? It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. You know, And if you get off to a bad start, you can always correct it and start pointing your legacy uh, towards Jesus and towards the finish line the right way. You know, another thing is we never know when our time here is going to end. So have we done enough in that short time uh, to, to get the point across? My last point here, break bad generational legacies. Excuse me, I had one of those biscuits a while ago. <laughs> so the other day, Carly and I, my youngest daughter, we were heading into Lowe's. And if you've been into Lowe's lately here in Galax, they have uh, little stickers, footprints, and it leads you to the customer service desk as you come in. You know, I've heard Mike say this, when I'm going to Lowe's, uh, I usually know what I want, and I'm going straight for it. Now, my kids disagree because they hate going in there. They say I'm in there forever, but I was going straight, and I seen her veer and right, and I just seen what would happen here. And, yeah, after a few steps, she realized, and she ran back up to me. And it was the perfect time for me to say, you know, girl, you better watch out whose footsteps you're following there. It might lead you in the wrong direction. And, of course, I got the look again. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I tell you that story to say this. You know, maybe you grew up in a bad situation. Maybe you didn't have a great godly legacy to follow. Uh, you know, maybe you didn't have great footsteps to follow, or maybe you're in a house with a bad father or mother or both or none at all. Uh, and I read this this past week. I thought it was, I thought it was awesome. Uh, can I just say today that God delights in doing exceptional things in the lives of people who believe in Him? Amen? Believe that God can make your case the exception, uh, that you can carve out a godly legacy that will point your children in the right way. Now, I had some great parents growing up uh, who both had to break some bad generational legacies themselves, and they chose a different path and different ways of doing things. And, you know, even though they were great, no parents perfect, and, you know, I find myself doing things a little differently, certain things a little differently, and I'm sure my kids uh, find some fault in my parenting, and hopefully they'll make positive changes you know, what I'm getting at here, let's make a positive change. Let's not go backwards. And that's real easy to do. And it's easier said than done. And I'm not making light of these situations uh, because I understand that it's not a snap of the finger fix. You know, these, these problems are they're, they're big problems. Oftentimes, uh, you know, we can seek God on these things. He might put the right people in front of us through counseling or whatever we need. Um, but I do believe that if we put God first, read and study His Word and obey His commands and His will in our life, they will at least be heading in the right direction. Uh, our Heavenly Father is enough to fill the void, and I do believe that in any situation. Uh, I thought of this when I was preparing. You know, I was fortunate enough to have a father who did 
uh, take some time to show me a few things. He taught me how to hunt and fish, something I'm really interested in still today. But when I was a little fella, uh, when I was finally old enough to go out on some of these adventures with him, um, <clears throat> he took me hunting and he tried to teach me the technique, you know, for walking through the woods without crunching the leaves so loud. I couldn't quite get it down, so he said, you know what, you know, just, you know, stay behind me, and wherever I step, you step, that way the leaves are already crunched up a little bit, and it won't be as loud, and, you know, as a young man, you know, I, I could do this only for so long, and then, you know, I would get distracted with something, or hear something behind me, and get scared, and, or get impatient, and move forward a little faster, and I would find myself going out of his footsteps, and uh, when that would happen, obviously there'd be a loud crunch and he would always turn around and he'd give me the look, okay? So dads do the look as well. Uh, I just thought when I thought that, that was such a great picture of how to follow our Heavenly Father. Uh, if we can just follow in his footsteps without getting distracted, uh, without getting ahead of ourselves, uh, I, think it'll, I think we'll see the, the fruits come through in that. You know, as the praise team comes back up, uh, I'll try to close this thing down. I know you guys are ready to go eat and celebrate Father's Day. You know, as a child of God, we have a very important role to, do, to, to, to carry out, to leave a godly legacy, I think is very important. You know, how we live our day-to-day -day matters uh, for future generations. So often we become distracted with our jobs our own success, sports, entertainment, you name it. As parents, we plan for our kids' financial future, their ongoing educational needs. As fathers, we often become focused on providing and protecting and forget to be present when it counts. Uh, and it is 100% possible to be with your kids 24 hours a day and not be present. We have great ambitions for our children to become the greatest we hone in on their abilities as athletes, their musical talents, and their intelligence rather than putting them, putting their relationship with Christ first. We often find ourselves living through our children rather than leading them. <laughs> we often, all right, all right I got that part. <laughs> he likes that part. As we move forward. Let's be intentional with our relationship with Christ. Be intentional about loving our neighbor. Pray, study, and connect. Uh, <laughs> he wanted his mommy. <laughs> Think honestly about where your legacy's headed, where it's going today. Um, pray that God will make your case the exception. You know. Make it a priority in your daily life to have the discipline to do the right things, big and small. Get connected with other believers. Pray daily and earnestly about your legacy that you obey God's call in your life. My hope is that here at Cornerstone we'll leave a godly legacy for future generations and that us as individuals can leave the type of legacy that will point the next towards Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we just like to thank you for this day and thank you for being present in our service today. Thank you for uh, the great worship. Uh, thank you for uh, guiding me uh, this past couple weeks and preparing the message. Uh, we pray, God, that you know something I might have said today, uh, even though it was more for me, that maybe it will just 
plant a seed somewhere that someone can grow in their faith and begin to think about a godly legacy and the importance of it. Uh, go with us through the week, God, and we pray for you know all the fathers. We honor the fathers today. They have such a huge role and responsibility, and oftentimes we beat them up more than we honor them. But uh, we pray that they just have a good day today and that you can give them give them the motivation, give them the desire to want to leave a godly legacy. Uh, we love you, God, and all these things we ask in Jesus' name.